I think it's hard for us, but you have to learn to find your own reset button. And sometimes that's going to be a hug from your partner or loved ones, a beer with your friends, and just let it go. And you can insert frozen music here, but you really have to just let it go. Inspiration and information for athletes by athletes. Welcome to a special episode of the Goo Energy Labs Pinnacle Podcast. I'm Yuri Hauswald, elite athlete and community manager at Goo Energy Labs. And I'm Fatty, co-host of the show, as well as the co-host of the Leadville Podcast, as well as a 22-time finisher of the Leadville 100 race. Yuri, I love to be able to squeeze that in and actually have it be relevant for once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because the Leadville 100 is part of what this special episode's all about. I finally got you committed to doing the race in 2020. And by the race, I mean Leadville 100, but that's only half of it. Yeah, Fatty, I'm experiencing a weird mix of excitement and dread, uh, to be totally honest. I've, I've kind of made a point of avoiding the Leadville 100 for about a decade. Uh, we could talk about that <laughs> later. Uh, and I've got a bit of egg on my face this year for sure. Um, but turns out when somebody dangles a large enough endurance challenge in front of me, I'm going to have to take it. Dude, egg looks good on you. You are going to be just fine <laughs> in the Leadville 100. It's, you know, I, I, I think it's honestly the day after the Leadville 100 that you are going to need to worry about. And that is the topic of this special episode. The fact that you, along with a few others, are going to be doing what is known as the Lead Boat Challenge. The Leadville 100 mountain bike race on Saturday, August 15th, followed the next day, by which I mean about 12 to 15 hours later, not 24 hours later, by the SBT gravel race, which is 140-ish miles and around 9,500-ish feet of climbing on gravel. Yep, and we've got a couple of amazing guests for us to talk with about this iconic and arguably insane one-two punch of a race pairing. First, the three-time gravel world champ, a Dirty Kanza winner, a goo athlete, the queen of gravel, and one of my favorite training partners here in Petaluma, Allison Tetrick. Allie, thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, man. Um, thanks for having me. I've definitely been on the Leadville podcast before and did not deserve to be on that, considering I don't own a mountain bike, Idiot. and <laughs> I've only ridden a mountain bike three times in my life. <laughs> So, Holly, have you have you still not bought a mountain bike? I'll get one eventually. <laughs> so, but um, I love training with Yuri and being part of the Goo family. And of course, uh, Steamboat Gravel is uh, very close to my heart. So I'm excited to be here, um, share some expertise, and also soak in as much knowledge as possible. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of knowledge soaking in this episode of the Pinnacle Podcast. And we're also lucky enough to have the race director for the SBT Gravel Race. Or are we, are we calling it Steamboat or are we calling it the SBT Gravel Race? I got to ask you that, Mark. But the fact is, whichever it is, that thing filled up, filled up like just like a second and a half before you actually opened it. It actually caused a rift in time. Uh, you are doing something amazingly right. Uh, Mark Sakowitz is the co-founder of the SBT Gravel. Mark, it is great to have you on the pinnacle. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, in regards to what you call it, you can call it whatever you want, <laughs> whatever is most comfortable. <laughs> but but um, I think most of us call it SBT Gravel. And 
and uh, you know, play off of it from there. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So I'm going to set the stage here because there's a lot I want to cover in the show. I think there's a lot our listeners can learn from our plans for these races. But first, let's do a little background on what the two races include. Fatty, you should do Leadville 100 intro because you can do that race with your eyes closed. And uh, what are the basics for the Leadville 100? Yeah, uh, so the Leadville 100 is probably, it's for sure one of the best known, if not the best known mountain bike race in the U.S., it is a mix of graded dirt road, rough single track, a little bit, or a rough double track, I should say, a little bit of single track. And there's a fair amount of pavement, too. And what makes this race brutal isn't so much the technical uh, difficulty of the race, because there are only a few places where it's even remotely technical. But there is a brutal amount of climbing, and even that comes in second to the fact that the altitude is just killer for this thing. You're doing around 12,000 feet of climbing in this out and back course. And the lowest point is around 9,500 feet. The high point is around 12,600 feet. And that altitude at race pace does crazy things to your legs and to your mind. Finishing it at all is a big deal and sort of a bucket list race item for, you know, for a lot of uh, mountain bikers in the U.S. And Mark... Uh, I'm wondering if you can walk our listeners through, those who haven't been to uh, Steamboat Springs, what SBT Gravel looks like for folks. Sure. Um, well, SBT Gravel is a little different than Leadville that, you know, there's four different courses. We've got SBT Gravel Black, which is 144 miles, about 9,500 feet of climbing. Um, you've got the Blue Course, which is 103 miles and 6,300 feet of climbing. And you know, it's still a hundred miles. You know, I don't know why we all as race directors decided that a hundred wasn't hard enough, um, but <laughs> we did. And um, uh, then we've got a, a new course this year for 2020, um, a 64 mile course, um, about 4,100 feet of climbing. And then we've got a, a, a really great entry to gravel, um, which we say um, you don't even need to own a bike. You need to access a bike any bike and you could participate at least um in our 37 mile course which is nice. really cool because um you know one of the things that we've heard or seen um, or found is that a lot of people might um, pass on trying it right they, they're intimidated they don't feel included um, and so we really like that entry but we've got four courses um the race as as you mentioned is august 16th um We'll have about 2,500 or so people show up in year two, and and we're super excited. Uh, Community of Steamboat Springs loves uh, loves having these athletes in town, and uh, it's turned out to uh, uh, gotten off to a pretty good start. Mark, I mean, in, in terms of gravel history, you guys are the new kids on the block, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're super young race, but you're kicking ass. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what have been the secrets to your success. Sure. Um, well, one, I think we're we're still in shock, really. I mean, <laughs> I mean this didn't even exist um, a year and a half ago. Uh, and it's been a really, really interesting um, you know, journey to get through the first year um, and then see what I think there is some sort of uh, shift in, in gravel um, and the frenzy around it here this year. You know, you saw... Um, a few other events also um, sell out quite quickly. And um, and so I think it's an interesting time for that. But, you know, for us in particular, I think, 
you know, our approach all along, and I have two really um, amazing partners in the event, Amy Charity, who, you know, Allie knows um, from their time on Optum and racing and, and things of that nature. And then uh, another partner, his name's Ken Benish. And, and uh, you know, the three of us talked about um, what we might want out of an event. And I, I do think that, um, you know, one thing that we looked at was one, um, there at the time at least, there wasn't a a larger scale type of event in our area, you know, in, in the Rocky Mountains. Um, so uh, the first thing was access. And then, you know, secondly, we wanted to introduce people to um, our, our area. We, we think that Steamboat um, and, and the people that did the event last year who have ridden up here have validated this is that we've got just this really unique combination of a great town, a beautiful environment, um, and then access to just endless gravel roads that um, go through this amazing scenery. And Yuri, you saw it doing the race last year. You know, it's it's super variable. You see lots of different things throughout the day. Um, and so we had, I think, um, a lot going for us with just proximity to where we are in Steamboat. Um, you know, families want to come. It's a beautiful place. There's lots to do. There's lots of resource and lodging and things of that nature. So, you know, from a, from just the core of it, um, those are some really, uh, really favorable things for us. And then, you know, the thing that I think that has set us on a, on a favorable path or a positive path to where people have responded to the event um, is our approach is really inclusive. Um, and we really want to invest back in things that we care about, whether that's our community, whether that's the racer, um, or that's topics that really matter to us. So um, I think we did a good job of telling people those things, right? Hey, we we believe that parity and equal racing is a responsibility of ours, right? As an example. Um, and then as I described the courses a second ago, hey, you don't have to be Allison Tetrick, right? A, a <laughs> Dirty Kansas winner or a... Um, you know, a retired road professional, as an example, um, to have fun out um, in this environment. And so we tried to put together a weekend where people didn't go to the race by themselves, which you see a lot in road racing, for example. Um, you show up on a Friday night, you wake up in the morning, you get your number, you do your race and you go home. And we just, we just, inherently thought that that was not something we wanted to do. Um, you know, we didn't like to get lost on a course, right? So um, Amy does not know how to use her head unit yet. So she <laughs> so she was very, very adamant. Hey, can we make sure we mark the course really well, right? As an example, um, we wanted people to have less stress, Yeah. right? So um, I think that's huge, right? And I think that's a big part of gravel racing in general or riding in general is that people are looking to escape, have fun with their friends and leave their stress maybe to Monday through Friday. And uh, we didn't want to stress people out by um, not letting them know where to go or they had to worry about their bike or nutrition or where they're going to find water. Um, were they going to have fun or, you know, things of that nature. We wanted to really make sure that we could enable some of that. So um, you know, we learned a ton in year one and 
Um, we asked a lot of questions and we made a lot of changes already um, for year two. But I do think, um, you know, that authentic engagement with the rider and, and really caring and, and showing that we wanted them to have a great weekend um, has paid off so far. It, it really has. And I love that you have multiple uh, multiple courses and that it, you've made it inviting for the beginning, the intermediate, the advanced racer. And you've obviously made it attractive enough that you have two Dirty Kansas winners coming over to race uh, this Leadbow Challenge, both of which happen to be on this show right now. I got to <laughs> and I got to ask both of you. So, Yuri, Ali, what drew you to doing um, in particular, I think, the SBT gravel, but also the, you know, the whole lead boat challenge. I mean, this is not a small thing that you've committed to doing this August. No, it's, it's not small at all. Um, I will tell you, um, on the podcast now officially, I mean, this is the one goal and pinnacle of my year that I'm most looking forward to is the lead boat challenge. And mm. I have a lot of events I will participate in and, and race or enjoy regardless of the event. Um, this one is super inspiring to me because it's pushing me past some endurance limits that I haven't yet conquered. So first of all, being a mountain bike newbie still, I'm working on it, guys. Um, I'm excited about Leadville and the fact that it's this Moby Dick for a lot of mountain bikers. And I would love to participate and see what's in that Kool-Aid out in Leadville or not because it's so high up and then to do the SBT the next day is just really exciting because both of them I don't actually have to race to win the race I get to just finish and push my limits which I think is awesome and so I'm really going to enjoy that journey in endurance training and soaking up the community vibe that is what drew me to gravel initially. So mm. I come from a pretty deep road background and I'm pretty much a roadie at heart, as you know, but it was people like Yori and Rebecca Rush that kept saying, come out and try Dirty Kanza and, try, you know, come out and do all these things. So I gravel to me is not about winning or the race. It's about that community. And I think Mark and Amy have done an amazing job with that at SBT, which is, I broke my heart. I couldn't come last year. So I'm very excited to go and and see their roads and explore and just enjoy the day. So it is a very large bite of a pie, <laughs> but I mean, it's nothing I'm, I don't think I'm capable of, but I also am excited to just to push my limits and see how that feels. Also enjoying the roads, the people and kind of the chaos of it all. Either one of these uh, races, just on their own, is an A event for not just uh, not just for citizen racers, but for pros like yourself. Um, I, I and I do want to dig in a little bit in just a minute into how you hope to you know be strong for both days of this. But I do want to hear from Yuri, who is you know almost a little bit famously has uh, uh, gone <laughs> to Leadville every year for a decade and has been a huge help to me. Um, but uh, this will be his first time to actually, you know, kid up and throw a leg over the saddle on race day. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I'll see you at the starter line, dude. So what what's bringing you this time? Well, uh, there's, a, there's a number of things that are bringing me to Leadville this year. Like you said, I've been going to Leadville for nearly a decade now, mm-hmm. but I've always served in the aid stations. I've always been the, the person at the base of Columbine, uh, slapping high fives and having drop bags for folks, giving them pushes, cheering them up. Yep. Um, so I've never, I've never really experienced the race side of the event. I've also led rides there. Um, so I feel like I have a really good sense of Leadville, but I guess, you know, the egg on my face moment here <laughs> is being a, a, a mountain biker at my roots. I never really felt like, uh, the Leadville mountain bike course really appealed to, to me. There wasn't enough single track. Um, and so it wasn't truly like a mountain bike course. I know that sounds horrible to say, but, but that's, that's the truth. So I've loved just going there and working in the aid station and, and helping people on their big day, you know, helping them, you know, accomplish that big challenge, that big goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when, you know, SBT and Lifetime came up with the lead boat challenge to, to, to solve their scheduling conflict, and they said they were going to have equal number of women and men, it just seemed like a really awesome thing to be part of. And mm-hmm. I was really honored to be asked to do it. I'm not known for my smarts, so uh, I couldn't turn it down. You know, it's quite the endurance challenge, and it, it just seemed like something that I really, I really had to embrace at this at this point in my career. And then, you know, I feel like SBT is in a really unique position with Mark because I get to interact with him uh, as a sponsor. Um, I work for Goo Energy Labs, and so I've seen how professionally they approach their event, and then I get to you know race and ride it as well. Yeah. And another thing I'd like to highlight about, you know, the SBT gravel event uh, is their aid stations. Uh, Having done Leadville for 10 years, um, you know, and and been on that side of the aid stations, but then going to an event like SBT that had their so well stocked and and, and manned uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, they were really smoothly run, people helping you, filling your bottles, pushing you out of the gate. that was one of the highlights of my day for sure. Um, and there were people handing up popsicles at some point at the top of this hill when I was seeing cross-eyed at like mile 118 or something like that. So they really hit it out of the park in so many different ways. And I'm really excited to go back to SBT. Um, but doing those events back to back has me freaked out for sure. For (laughs) sure. You'd have to be a little bit crazy to not be freaked out by the challenge here, but I, we're, we're kind of, I mean, you've, you three are just incredibly inspiring. I have to say that. And now we're going to get to the information part of this podcast. And I want to kind of get some ideas from the three of you about that what might help our listeners who are doing the lead boat challenge, or I would say any hardcore multi-day event. Uh, because it is, it's not easy to do two hard days ever and to be competitive and, you know, make no mistake. I mean, as two dirty cans of champions, there is no way you are not going to be, you know, firing off as hard as you can at both races. I know that's true. No matter what you just said, Ellie. (laughs) (laughs) First, the lead boat challenge. You know, you put these two really popular races together. Why? (laughs) They are different disciplines. The cities are a couple of hours apart. And either one of them alone is hard enough that you're going to want a, you know, a big recovery day afterwards. So why do it? Why sign up for something, you know, something really huge like this? I'll just, I'll just say why not. 
I love that. I, I love that. And uh, I, I think I subscribe to that thinking. Um, but I would love to go a little bit deeper. I mean, what, what kind of what gives you the why not uh, idea? Because not everyone sees something that looks like this big of a challenge and says, why not? How do you get to that kind of well, I think mindset? You were just talking about the listeners being interested in endurance challenges. Mm-hmm. And Yuri and Mark and I, of course, I'll agree that a challenge has to inspire you and motivate you to train and get out and ride your bike every day. And these are two iconic events that have a lot of accolades, of course, but also scenery and the environment is going to be incredible. And so if I can just kind of make it like a double layered cake, let's make it German chocolate. So there's a little bit of like frosty in the middle, you know, (laughs) and you can combine both of them. It's really interesting. You don't know if you can do it, but in the back of your head, you know, you can and I think it's a great way to kick, you know, two bucket list events off my list slash I'll probably come back. Let's be honest. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's a way to combine an, a weekend effort. And if I'm going to spend a while in Colorado, why not? I might as well ride my bike all day with my friends multiple days and miles in a row. Yeah, I would be super surprised if uh, both of these events don't kind of infect your mind uh, a, li- a little bit, Ali. It's a. Uh, just from what I, and I, I've of course done Leadville a number of times, but uh, from what I hear, uh, SBT Gravel is the same way, but like on, you know, on steroids. So Fadia, I don't, incredibly... I don't mean to call you out on that. Does that mean you're going to come to SBT with me and Yuri and Mark? Oh, I would love to. If I come, I, you know, I, th- th- like I say, the race sold out like before it even, <laughs> like instantly. I don't have an entry. I would love to come and crew for you guys. It, it would be amazing and an amazing experience and, uh, you know, Maybe something, kind of a bucket list item for me to uh, crew for a couple of champs like that. But I want to ask, uh, I want to ask you, Mark, uh, the how did this this you know this sort of match made in heaven, match made in hell? I don't know what to call it. How did this happen? Uh, how did these two races get paired up like yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, it was interesting because last year in 2019, the races were not the same weekend. Um, Leadville was the week before and. Mm-hmm. Uh, candidly, um, none of us saw 2020 as a leap year and the calendar switching around, but that's really what happened um, tactically. Um, Leadville moved back a week and we just um, moved forward a day, you know, like the calendar transpires each year. Um, but it turns out then that Leadville would be on August 15th and SBT Gravel was on the 16th. And so maybe a week or two after um our first event our first year um i was looking at the calendar and talking with john vargas at orange seal and um he said we were talking about payson coming back and um you know payson is a mountain biker you know and Mm -hmm. and um he was sick at leadville last year so he had you know um redemption on his mind there and then he came in second at sbt so he probably you know, has them both heavily on his radar. And um, he asked kind of, hey, well, what do you, what are we going to do? <laughs> and um, so I called Kimo Seymour at Lifetime and and talked to him a little bit about it. And, and initially, honestly, we were saying, well, can we move either one of the events? And, you know, after looking into it, um, we, we couldn't. 
yeah. uh, for a ton of reasons. And so we started talking about, well, what, what, do you, what could we do here? Like, is there a way to make this a positive for cycling and move cycling forward versus, oh, wow, I have to choose and I'm so mad that I can't do either, or, you know, whatever that would be. And so um, we got our teams together and met down um, at their offices for an afternoon and and um, landed on uh, having this type of challenge. And, you know, we knew it wasn't for everybody, but to, to Ali's point, there's a ton of people out there saying, wow, this is just what an opportunity to find something else out about myself that maybe I didn't know. Um, or, wow, can I put this on the radar as a life achievement or an unbelievable accomplishment for my year that, you know, doesn't come around all the time. Um, and um, so as the teams got together and we started kind of putting together what we wanted the framework for this to be, we landed on that um, it was going to be limited. Um, we wanted to invite, and to Yuri's point, an equal amount of men and women. Um, you know, that was a huge, or it has been a huge part of SBT Gravel from the very inception of the event. And so um, we thought this was a great way to showcase cycling and the positive, right? And maybe that's a really thematically what this challenge really is, is yeah. what way can we influence cycling to be better than it was yesterday? And so we're combining two different disciplines. Um, we're supporting our state. Um, we're supporting parity, equality. Um, and then we're we're enabling people to accomplish something that they may never have have considered, Right. And, and so that was a story. And, and honestly, after we met that afternoon, it didn't take long for all of us to say, well, we're going to we're going to make this happen. And then, oh, by the way, we need to let people know about it because, you know, the lottery opens for Leadville or SBT Gravel's registration opens. And, you know, we had envisioned that we might sell out relatively quickly um, <laughs> just because in 2019 we sold out in six days and we really didn't even have anything to sell. You know, we were just talking about it. And and this year we at least had um, proven that the race was um, a positive for a lot of people. So um, so that made it pretty quick work to get, um, get it planned, but to, you know, really to Amy and um, Michelle Duffy and then Christy Moan worked on this with us from DK. Um, she worked on the strategy as well and um, you know, that was put together and, and we came to came to getting this this great this great roster of, of folks wanting to to chew on it. And then, you know, we had um you know, so originally we, we had sixty um or so people, even between men and women, um uh apply and, and get into it. And then we've had a few others now once the lottery closed, um, that had already been registered for SBT and then we're in the Leadville lottery that that will also do it. So it's going to be a, a small group, but a, an inspiring one for sure. For sure. There are a couple of things I want to touch on. And Yuri, I want you to sort of chime in on some of this. But the first thing is you and I have seen this before with Rebecca's Private Idaho, and that is stuff that is good does well and people find out about it and it grows. And sometimes it grows fast, sometimes it grows slow. But whether it's for SBT Gravel or Rebecca's Private Idaho or the Leadville 100 or, you know, any great race or anything that should work out, 
eventually finds its audience. And what's a staunch, I guess the only surprising part is SBT Gravel found its audience so dang fast. And it's, you know, it's just, just fantastic to see. Um, I mean, Yuri, it, you see a lot of races. You see a lot of events. Have you ever seen anything catch fire like this? I really, I really haven't. Mm -hmm. The whole approach has been super, super professional and well planned out. You know, they tick off all those C words that Ben Delaney mentioned in his grind column for Velo News, you know, community, course, challenge, and then completion over competition. And they, they hit all of those marks yeah. with their first year event, which is amazing. And I think it probably surprised a lot of people that it has done so well, for sure. Yep. Um, but, you know, I mean, gravel is exploding right now for all of those reasons and many more. You're seeing events like SPT sell out super quickly. And so, yeah, I applaud all that they're doing. And I'm really excited to be part of this lead boat challenge. Uh, I was just going to circle back to see what, Al to what Ali said earlier is that, you know, in my athletic career, I found that, you know, when I've challenged myself or taken the biggest risks that I wasn't sure that I could accomplish, those are the ones that I've actually gotten the most from, yeah. um, that I've learned the most about myself, where I've grown and, and actually, you know, redrawn that line of what I thought was physically, mentally possible for me. This lead boat challenge, you know, is definitely going to be, you know, one of those moments for me, much like DKXL was. Yeah, no, no question. And, and, and I want to, touch on one last thing that uh the mark went by but uh but went by really quickly and people might not have picked up on it and that is the gender uh the gender parity aspect of this that at least for the lead boat challenge piece of it that there are exactly the same number of women and men registered when they did the initial drawing at least that for every you know f for every man who got into this a woman got into it as well and I think that just sort of rings back to the let's do the right thing aspect. We're seeing um, we're seeing some good changes in cycling in road. We're seeing things in mountain biking that are good, but those kinds of things don't happen unless people proactively do it. So I just want to, you know, you know, kudos fist bump to you, Mark, and for doing the right thing in in making it so that, that you are proactively making sure that there are the same number of women as well as men out there, uh, you know, doing the lead boat challenge. Yeah, thank you. It, it's it's really important. And, you know, to be fair, and you you touched on it the right way, the the initial list is 50-50. We haven't calibrated the lottery. Um, that'll skew it a little bit, most likely. Um, mm -hmm. But the intention um, is certainly aligned with, um, I think, what the future of cycling is. And, um, you know, the reality is for us, at least on the SBT gravel side, is that we talk about all the time, we're like, gosh, we, we're, it's unfortunate that we even have to talk about this as a topic. Um, but because we do, um, we can take the responsibility as leaders in cycling um, to make a, a positive impact. And so, you know, last year um, we had about 400 and or four, a little over 400 women race. Um, we only had about 200 or so women sign up for the event when we opened in, in December of 2018 for year one. Uh, none, Amy, Ken, myself, we all didn't like those numbers, candidly. And um, we wanted to make sure, since it was a new event, that we talked to people about 
you know, why this was an inclusive place to be, why if you wanted to try something or, or do something with your friends, you were welcome. And we ran um, a campaign where we interviewed 50 women that were registered and told their stories on social. And after a week or so about telling these stories, um, asked women if they were inspired by what Amity said or Rose Grant at the time um, uh, said in that campaign, for example, um, then come join them. And so we opened up registration again for a few days. We had and had another 200 women register almost immediately. And we sort of found right there that was kind of the the inflection point where we said, wow, we're onto something not that we're trying to market to people, but we're onto something on how women responded, right? Hey, mm -hmm. I want to ride with my friends. I want people to tell me it's okay to come. Like I'm, I'm welcome. Right. And yep. I think one of the things that we were most proud of last year, and Yuri, you can attest to this is that, um, I saw countless groups of women who rode the event together, um, and were saying for the first time in, in any event that they had done that they had actually seen other women on the course, right? And it was obvious. There were lots of women there. And so I think we we got some traction. Um, you know, this year when we when we opened registration, we we preferred anyone who rode last year was was guaranteed entry. Um and we actually also um ran a an opportunity for women that raced in the prior year to invite a friend to come and they would be guaranteed entry. And, nice. you know, we're going to have over 800 women at the start of SBT gravel in 2020, which I think is really the story of the event. Um, and it's not because it's a women's specific event. It's because it's a place where um, women really feel like they're, um, they're supposed to be here, like they're included. And I think that's amazing. I think so too. I mean, you, you are, finding momentum because you're creating the momentum. I, I go to uh, all of my all of my wife's marathons and when I look at the field in the starting line, it's about it's about you know more or less 50 50. you see just as many women at the starting line as men because it is a field in which they have always felt like they belong. And what you're doing is creating the space for them to feel they belong just as they should in races. So this, I think that is fantastic. So let's talk a little bit now about the how. Um, so I'm going to make this a little bit about me for just a second. <laughs> but uh, back in 2012, I actually won the single speed division of the Legend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, woo, for me, I so, th but that's not the important part. The important part is that afternoon I had to get my stuff packed and get myself over to Breckenridge because the next day the Breckenridge Epic, the Breck Epic, was starting, and Breckenridge is closer to Leadville than Steamboat, and the start of the race is later in the morning the next day but I still only barely survived the first day of the Breck Epic. Um, Leadville killed me and racing again the next day was incredibly hard. Now, Yuri, Ali, you two are both uh, pros with a lot more experience in doing you know, either multi-day races or Yuri DKXL <laughs> and 
uh, you have experience in knowing how to survive or even thrive on these massive multi-day endeavors. And I wanted to get your thoughts on what your strategy is for uh, for anyone who is doing either something big like this uh, this event, the steam uh, the lead boat challenge, or for doing any multi-day event. Yeah, so I come from a like I said, a pretty deep road racing background where, you know, doing the Giro or something, you know, 10 days in the Italian Alps and stage races are quite common in road racing. And I don't do that anymore per se, but I still have a training schedule that can resemble that multi days in a row that are difficult and strenuous. And a tip I would offer for that just immediate stress is fueling becomes paramount. So um, I know we've discussed this, but one of my mantras is eat and drink early and often. And so for Leadville, you know, you need to have a good meal and, and prepare, of course, but to fuel yourself throughout the event and, you know, thank heavens I work with Goo Energy Lab. So not only am I stocked up with fuel for the journey or the event with goos and energy gels and chews and stroop waffles, et cetera, but then also recovery afterwards is really important. So to get that in, um, and in, when you do multi-day events, you may not think you're racing or you're not trying to win and you're an hour from the finish, but what you need to focus on is your fueling for the next day as well. And so that's really important that you're, you can see the finish line, you can smell it, you're, oh, it's all downhill from here, whatever. I don't know what the course is. I should look, but I don't want to. It's terrifying. Um, <laughs> but to keep fueling um, throughout the duration of the event, not only for your ultimate finish time, but also for the next day's effort. So I try to do at least 250 calories an hour, so I'll have... Uh, Roctane in my bottles as well as a gel an hour. I'm set and I'm going to make sure I fuel throughout Leadville as all the way to the last minute as I cross the finish line and then it's about recovery. Um, and then of course the next day as well. Um, and then the other tip I would have is preparation. So the more time that you can spend preparing your kits, your bikes, everything's going to be ready. I'm going to bring extra Camelback. So I have my own Leadville race stuff. I'm going to have my own SBT race stuff. Everything's going to be set, packed, locked and loaded. So I don't have anything to think about. Once I finish Leadville, I have my recovery, probably a beer. So to celebrate, cause I trained for that too. And then moving on to the next event where everything should be set up, where I'm just trying to sleep. I literally think I will start Leadville with the pockets of my jersey for SBT already stuffed with goos and chews and everything I need for SBT. So I just have less to think about. So I think preparation is really key. And then the other thing yeah. I'm just going to throw back again to repeat myself is fuel early and often. 
and that's all the way to the finish line. And then that recovery window is paramount. Man, that was a super pro answer. Good job, Allie. <laughs> well, I was under the impression that Mark was going to have a chopper waiting for you and me. So uh, it would reduce the time that we had to be in the car to get to SBT. But hopefully that's still in the cards. I'm kidding. <laughs> kind of. But, um, you know, I'm all about the sip, sip, nibble, nibble, very similar to what Ali was talking about, just constantly taking in the little bits of solids, gels, liquids. I shoot for a similar caloric number per hour as Ali does, 250 calories using a variety of products from our Roctane gels uh, to our Roctane drink. Um, mix in a few chews. I don't do that many solids, particularly at altitude. Um, and you know, our Roctane drink has 250 calories per hour. So that really helps me hit that number. Mm -hmm. And as far as preparation, I'm hoping to get to Colorado a little bit early. I'm a sea level person, much like Ali, and I struggle a bit at altitude. Um, that may be, you know, what has kept me away, um, the past decade from, from doing the Leadville mountain rake race for a few years. But, um, I'm a little freaked out by that extreme altitude there. Oh, I also like to think uh, it's really important for folks to eat, sleep, and hydrate really well through the week leading into an event to try to mitigate their stress as well. Um, focus on quality sleep. Know that stressing out last minute about your training or this or that is not going to alter your race day fitness. Uh, you know, you're not going to change that the week prior to an event. So let go of that stress. Um, and if you miss a workout, most likely not going to affect you on race day. So, um, you know, you the, control the things you can control. Hmm. You know, in terms of your fitness, you've already put all the hay in the barn by that point. So, you know, just let it go. Pick it up the next day, but keep focusing on your hydration, your nutrition, your sleep, the whole week leading into it for sure. Um, you know, without the chopper there, I'm hoping my wife is going to pick me up at the finish of Leadville <laughs> and, and haul Allie and I. Um, in our van up to SBT so we can at least, you know, sit down or recline and get horizontal, uh, rest as much as possible because it's going to be, you know, obviously extremely hard to sleep um, after an effort like that and being at altitude and, you know, maybe we'll have, I don't know, 15-ish hours. I don't even know if we'll have 15 hours of rest between the finish depending on how quickly we get done with Leadville. So um, those are my little tips and tricks. I think I'll be racing with hydration pack for sure, a Camelback chase vest, just because it makes it way easier for hydration. Um, and I just don't have to think about it. I know it's right there and I can just pop the tube in my mouth and I'm getting calories or water, whatever I need. Um, and uh, I'll be good to go. I will be too. And I know uh, Fatty slightly made fun of me that I'm going to race with a, a chase vest, but I will absolutely, because for me, I'm just, it's going to help with hydration. So I will race with a camelback. Um, and then I guess one other thing I wanted to add for the listeners is something I've always used as well in training that Yuri just sparked my mind on was control your controllables. Hmm. So that's where preparation becomes king um, preparing so you can control everything you can. Anything can happen race day. You can flat, you can have a horrible day. I don't know. I'm a girl. I can have stomach cramps and I don't know, be cranky and not feel good. Like all these things can happen, but if you just control what you can, so control your controllables, ultimately that sets up your day for success, whatever is in the cards. And yeah, also what to reiterate what Yuri said is, is to not stress about your training at that point. Like, 
all you're going to do a week leading in is going to screw something up. So hydrate, rest, fuel. There's no like secret openers that you're going to do that's going to help you. It's all going to be a mind swear word insert here. Like it doesn't work. So just control what you can. If you have to get off of social media, get off of social media. It doesn't matter what your competitors are doing. Just choose what bike, choose what you want to do, do your training, drink, eat, have a beer if you want. I don't care, but just like let it go too and enjoy the day. And I think that's most important. Fantastic advice from someone who has a lot of multi-day experience. Um, Allie, I want to sort of drill into that very, I mean, that very narrow window in between the two uh, two races. You have a lot of multi-days uh, stage race experience. And so in between when Leadville ends and uh, SBT Gravel begins, and not really thinking about the, um, about the, you know, getting there or any of that, but what do you do to recover and prepare simultaneously in what will honestly be a you know a pretty short window so you know if if you two have a good day you you fin that means you finish it around say you know 2 30 in the afternoon that means you had an eight hour finish at leadville and that means you were super duper fast so say you finish at 2 30 to 3 30 that is sort of the range that i would expect for both of you and then you have um the the race the next morning starts at what time mark 6 30 again or when yeah 6 30 Oh, that's so early, Mark. And it was 32 <laughs> oh. degrees. Oh, that's news to me. That's why we need the chopper, Allie. I'm getting off this show now. I just, like, I'm getting tired thinking about it. Okay. Brian Vaughn <laughs> is who we need to talk to. That's right. Yeah, Brian Vaughn's <laughs> going to spring for a chopper. So my, my real question is, you know, you finish the race at 2.30. The next morning at 6.30, you are racing again. What do you eat in between then? What do you do to recover your legs in between then? I think there's a lot of a lot of things you can do and some you wish you could do and you're not going to do them, let's be honest. But um, I've worked with a lot of sports nutritionists, including um, this amazing team that Goo Energy Labs has. And I think something really specific that most people – my disregard, but it's a recovery drink and that actually needs to happen within 30 minutes of your effort. Mm -hmm. And you think 30 minutes sounds long, but you know, you finish, you're getting a medal around your neck, your partner's there, you're having a beer and 30 minutes goes by really fast. What I like about recovery drinks is the fact that you can, they're mixed with water. So usually you put them in a water bottle. It's 24 ounces of water, which is helping your hydration. And then you're also replenishing your system with the necessary carbohydrates, protein, and then branch chain amino acids. Yep. So that's within 30 minutes of finishing. And that's very important. And then you have two hours to eat a real meal. And I will probably already have that prepared because my whole approach to this event is going to be preparation is king right. so or queen let's say and um so i'm maybe it's a rice bowl or a burrito or something you've prepared that at least you get real food in your system within two hours and that's much easier for people to do it's that initial recovery window where 30 minutes they can say up to an hour but i i prefer 30 minutes and i really notice a difference so initially i'm gonna finish chug recovery then have the beer because I still will do that. I'm not going to lie. Sorry. Um, and then a prepared meal. And then we're going to have to get in a car. 
I assume there's not a helicopter. I would like to wish it, but I assume we're getting a car and driving. Um, and then that's when elevation helps a lot. So elevate your legs if possible. Compression helps a lot. So it's all of those rice, like, you know, rest, ice, compression, elevation. I probably won't ice anything. I'm just going to put on some compression socks and lay on the floor and have my feet up hopefully nice. or if they're even on a dashboard so I think that's really important and then it's eating again and hydration so it's really not rocket science but I do think one thing most people miss is that recovery window the first one because everyone wants nachos in two hours after they're finished but most people don't think about being prepared to have that recovery drink immediately after and then if you can have any excuse to have your feet up just to try to get the blood flow moving and what you want to do is um alleviate some of that uh, micro damage that's happened to either muscle fibers and your swelling and all of that that's occurred throughout the day um and you need to try to get some new blood flow into your into your cells so that's i think pretty critical very very helpful and mark you of course last year saw a number of people coming and doing sbt gravel it was a week after the Leadville 100, but there's still some some res, uh, residual fatigue. And you're seeing people race all the time. What would be your nutrition advice or other, you know, survive the day advice? What are you seeing that people did wrong that they can avoid or did right that is going to help them succeed and have a great day? Yeah, I, well, I think Ali and Yuri hit on some really good things right out of the gate. Sure. I think, um, you know... For this event or this weekend, um, I think Yuri, the acclimating um, aspect of it is just going to take some stress off of your body in general. Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, what we saw last year was a lot of the people that did both events, um, they raced them, I think, um, more deliberately than maybe some of the, the majority of the people doing lead boat are going to try to pace through Leadville, stay upright, focus on nutrition, just like Allie mentioned, and then um, be able to not feel blown, you know, when they're at the start line um, as best they can for SBT gravel, which they'll still feel extremely tired. But I think you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Some people could go so hard, for example, at Leadville and maybe not think they can pedal at all at, at SBT gravel. And um SPT gravel, the black horse is not easy um, and it's super back heavy. And so um, yeah, I think where people can get into a jam is if they, um, you know, aren't racing for the win um, at either event, the overall win, because the lead boat, you know, this is one thing we didn't really get into yet. And we maybe can is that people are going to know who r rode the two events combined the fastest. Um, we may or may not even acknowledge that, right? Because the reality is, is that this challenge is about finishing um, and the community of the riders that um, are participating in both, right? And so we know there's a racing element, of course, but many people, it's just to, to accomplish this amazing task and maybe even yeah. for Ali and Yuri as well, right? You know, um, it goes that way. So... Um, but, you know, I think, you know, last year, if you, if you reference a few riders, um, you know, Sarah Sturm came in third at both races. Um, uh, and so she, um, definitely 
was acclimated. She's from Colorado, um, but she probably did a good job of, of, you know, coming out of Leadville and understanding how to get her, her body and her mind ready. Um, and then on the men's side, you know, first and second um, did Leadville, um, Ted King and Payson McElvin. So, um, you know, you can definitely go fast at both. Um, I think back to back is going to be a bit of a challenge, but I think Allie really hit the nail on the head with, with having a plan, um, whatever your plan yeah. is, and they're not all the same, right. For any one athlete, but, um, I, I would, I would, I would definitely just say also, just don't get caught up in the moment. You know, you're going to feel amazing. Um, the first two hours of Leadville, um, but most people have 20 hours of riding or more going on in that 48 hour window. So take it easy. <laughs> it's some genuinely good advice there. It is super easy in the Leadville 100. Almost, I would say almost impossible to not feel this huge adrenaline surge in the first climb of the day and you want to attack it. And I mean, you can either do that or have a good second half of the day. Right. <laughs> so, Fatty, you know, over the years, you and I have ridden St. Kevin's enough, uh, you know, in our pre-race rides yep. that I'll have you in my head giving me advice not to blow up on that uh, climb because that's the little chat you've given every year, you know. There's going to be a sea of people. Everybody's going to be giving their all. It's going to be lined out across the trail. People are going to be swerving. They're going to be blowing themselves up. And I'm hoping that you're going to be right on my shoulder just reminding me to chill. It, and if I am having a good day, I will not only just be in your imagination at your side, but actually at your side. We'll see. Riding together. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be so cool to be able to do some of that race with the two of you. That would so, be fun. Uh, a question now, it, because, and you know, I, I'm not trying to put the jinx on anyone, but it happens. Sometimes you have a bad day on day one. You know, say, you know, say for whatever your reason is, Leadville doesn't go great. You finish uh, with a cramp or you finish feeling sick or you finish just feeling completely smoked. How do you get yourself together and ready so that instead of missing day two, you can have a strong day too, that you can do great at SBT gravel, even if you didn't have a great day in Leadville. As a athlete, um, I've had probably a lot more bad days than I have had good days. So yeah. I always joke that I've lost a lot more races than I won <laughs> because that's sure. the nature of the sport. And I think it's hard for us, but you have to learn to find your own reset button and sometimes that's going to be a hug from your partner or loved ones, a beer with your friends, and just let it go. And you can insert frozen music here, but you really have to just let it go <laughs> because it happens to everybody. Nobody's perfect. And as much as we try to prepare and control our controllables, you know, it can hit the fan, right? Yeah. And so something I... I just, when I'm going through a dark moment like that, I, I do try to be realistic with myself and, and ask, okay, are you quitting? Are you just mental? Is it something actually physical? Like assess my situation. And if it's something mm -hmm. I can't control, you know, you can only be so hard on yourself in that moment to try to get out of it. But if it's literally something you can't control, well, let it go. 
and only be hard on yourself in the moment that it's occurring if that's actually going to help resurge your energy or get you out of a funk because sometimes you know you know what I mean you know the difference of like cramping and getting sick versus you know your nemesis just drops you on a climb and you are swearing off all nachos for the rest of your life right there's a difference between those two things and so i have to know is this is this like in my head and i just feel slow or is it actually something that i need to address and then once i let it go you really have to let it go and that's actually inhibits your recovery so we're talking about recovering for multiple days and if you're still sitting there in yuri's van or our marks provided helicopter and you're pouting about your nemesis dropping you on the climb And like, that's not helping you recover or you're pouting that you don't feel good or you vomited or something, right? Like that doesn't help you recover. So you just actually need to be hard on yourself when it counts and you actually can make a difference. And then other than that, just start singing frozen and let it go because it's only going to not let you recover and to uh, recharge for the next day. Sounds like I'm going to need to get that soundtrack for the van ride to SBT, Allie. I might cry. (laughs) Um, But Fatty, back to your question. As long as it's not something physical, I guess that's my biggest fear of doing both of these is how, you know, the altitude may affect my digestion system, sort of throw off my equilibrium. Uh, But I'm not really worried about, you know, wrecking or losing some skin or flatting or anything like that because, you know, I feel like you can really bounce back from those. Uh, and this event really though, at the end of the day or days is about completion, um, over competition for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to be competitive with myself for sure. And would love to spend a lot of the day with you or Allie or both of us, however, it's going to shake out for us. Um, but it's really going to be about absorbing the experience, having as much fun as possible, particularly with Leadville, since I've never done it. Um, and you know, experiencing having other people help me there, which will be really awesome. Um, so, you know, I hope to be able to finish Leadville and then analyze what's going on in my body, realize what I need to get for, you know, the proper recovery and hydration, uh, compression socks. If we can plug in some, you know, compression boots in the van for the drive up, that would be awesome too. Um, so the main thing though, like Ali has said, is to control the things that I can control for the next 12 hours before lining up the next morning. So, you know, I'm not too worried about having a bad day unless, like I said, it's something you just physically cannot control. You, you see, I'm sure a lot of people on the course who are struggling, who are trying to pull themselves back together, Mark, what is your, what is, what are the things that you've seen that make the difference between finishing the day and having a good day, no matter whether it's a fast day or a slow day, can still be a good day, and pulling the plug. As a as a race director, I think you have a different perspective, um, candidly, because you're trying to wonder how they're doing, um, and you're trying to support them as best best they can. I think um, you know you get all types of different outcomes right obviously if somebody crashes or is injured that's totally different um mm-hmm. but if somebody's got something going on in their head or they're they they've fallen behind in their nutrition or they're um having a hard time exercising a demon whatever that demon is um on race day um you know i think you know at least at sbt gravel the the cool thing will be 
is that there's going to be people out there to support you and, and to engage with you. Sometimes a smile and a, hey, you can do it um, goes a long way, right? Or when that yeah. piece of licorice or that small can of Coke or that last um, gummy bear comes your way, um, it really changes your outlook. And I think, um, you know, one thing that we see a lot of people do um, is engage with others, use camaraderie or rely on others to to maybe help both people move forward faster. And that's probably what a lot of these athletes are going to be looking for is some people to commiserate with when things are going good and bad. Um, and uh, I think that's going to be the, the fun part of this. Maybe that's the best part of gravel, right? Is that um, if you want to be an event where someone else is going to help you along, um, it's gravel. Um, and so that, uh, that, that could save some folks for sure. You know, for me at SBT last year, as I mentioned earlier, it was that popsicle, that great popsicle that was handed to me, uh, I believe around mile 118, that sort of reinvigorated my spirit. <laughs> you know, I, I, it was when I was really flagging near the end, starting to question what I was doing. Um, and, you know, it helped sort of bring me back. It got me back into a headspace where I was trying to be more positive with my self-talk, you know, Reba Rush talks a lot about that, you know, just being nice to yourself because we're so quick to beat ourselves up. You know, you're not doing well. Um, we're our own worst critic for sure. So finding the positive in what you're doing uh, is really, really important. And that positive mindset goes such a long way. You know, Alex Hutchinson wrote a book called Endure. And the whole last chapter is about the power of the mind. Um, and how positive reinforcement, even just a smile, can help improve performance. So it really, really does work. And, you know, to Mark's point about aid stations and camaraderie and stuff like that, those buoy your spirits for sure. I mean, that's one of the biggest takeaways from my decades worth of work in the aid station at Leadville is the impact my positive attitude can have on a racer's performance or a racer's day. So I sure hope and, you know, there's some nice people out there this year that are going to be yelling at me um, to encourage me to get up Columbine um, or wherever I need help. A little bit more tactical, but I mean, one thing you pointed out that uh, well, both of you are doing, uh, Yuri and Ali, is that you uh, you both wear uh, chase vests when you are when you're racing. It sounds like you're doing that both for Leadville and for SBT. Are there other differences in how you fuel or in how you set up your gear, of course, aside from the bikes, when you're doing these two different kinds of events? I guess I'll jump in on this one first, Allie, since uh, I have more mountain bike experience. But Shocking. no, I, I really don't think there's any difference between, you know, fueling for a gravel race and fueling for a mountain bike race, unless there's a huge discrepancy, obviously, in the amount of time you're going to be out there. Hmm. But I mean, you're putting out the same effort. You're going to be out there for long periods of time um, for both. Uh, and for me, I don't look at fueling on my mountain bike as anything different than I would, you know, look at fueling for a gravel, gravel effort. I, I try to hit the same caloric numbers. I use the same products and, mm -hmm. uh, it shouldn't be a surprise, but I'm a creature of habit. So yeah, for me, nothing's going to change nutrient wise between the two events. Mark, you see, of course, everyone out there on the course, what is the, if there is such a thing, what is the right thing to be wearing? You know, how should you be kidding up? What should you be carrying as far as food and drink uh, when you're doing SBT gravel? Yeah, yeah. For SBT, actually, um, 
you know, you can rely on us for a lot of uh, the things that you need. If you use goo products, for example, um, you're not going to have to bring a ton with you, uh, nice. maybe to get you started, obviously. But we've got eight stations um, every 20, 25 miles or so. And as Yuri mentioned, they're they're really, really well supported. So you're you know, if you wanted to take a shower at a couple of aid stations, we have that much water there for you. So I'm not too <laughs> worried about people running out of stuff. Um, but in regards to the tactics of it, um, it, it's interesting actually at SPT Gravel because um, some people are wearing um, uh, vests and camelbacks and things of that nature, and they're bringing a lot of water with them. So they might not have to stop at an aid station. Um, mm. Some people are bringing all of their food just to be safe. Um, and then many are, are going very minimally. You know, I think at the end of the day, um, I think it still comes back to you staying on your plan yeah. um, and making sure that you don't make any mistakes tactically that would force you to deviate from that plan, meaning you drop a bottle and then you can't drink for an hour right? You, oh, there's going to be a certain food that you really want and you forgot to bring it and now it's not on course, you know, whatever that would be. So I think that's what gets people in trouble is falling behind. Um, um, I don't think you ever hear too many people saying, oh, I ate too much and it really cost me, right? But you hear lots of people say, I didn't eat enough or I didn't drink enough and now I I can't get back going. So, We've got people out there. We've got a bunch of great popsicles. We've got a bunch of things out there that um, uh, will help people. But um, but yeah, you just have to stay on it. And you know, whatever triggers you have, you know, lots of people set alarms on their watch or their their you know their head unit. Um, you know, they know to eat on the twenty or the thirty or you know whatever that would be. But um, that's 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 the biggest advice that we would give is just stay on your plan. Yep. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know that uh, like me, you are a Garmin guy, Yuri, and probably like me, you have used their uh, Eat Alarm uh, feature on on my uh, in my case a five thirty every thirty minutes that goes off and it's a chime and it shows up on my GPS and I know what to do and by adhering to that schedule that I have set and have used during my training, I it has been a long time since I have had stomach issues or a bonk it is you know by learning how much to eat and sticking to the plan i do okay not necessarily in every other way but uh there are things that i can prevent by fueling right and fueling with what i know and i do all right agree for sure you know i've used that and i also like to keep my gels tucked in tucked in the bands of my shorts Mm -hmm. because it helps remind me to eat and they're sitting there just sort of as that reminder you know Um, you know, that, that's one of the little tricks I have. Uh, there's another nice thing about the chase fest that Allie and I have is that your nutrition is just right there. You can segment it. You know, typically I have my chews on one side, my gels on the other side, and then trash in one of the pockets. It's really accessible. You don't have to reach around your back pocket. Uh, so it's just this constant reminder to keep eating. Yep. And of course, after you're done with a gel or chews or a stroke waffle, you've got some leftover packaging. Mark, tell us what you were doing with that. Well, I think um, this is really in partnership with Goo, but um, there's mm-hmm. a program called TerraCycle at, that um, really enables races um, or individuals, but in our case, um, the event, 
to set up stations where you can collect um, used wrappers and um, gel packets, um, not just from Goo Energy, but from any brand. Um, so whatever um, type of nutrition you're using, um, we'll have places um, at the start finish area, all of our aid stations and on course, where we'll collect um, used packets, we'll box them up and then ship them out to TerraCycle to be um, to be recycled and repurposed. And um, we think it's an amazing program and um, yes. we're proud to be part of it. And it's just another compliment to kind of our comprehensive approach to advocacy, whether it's giving back to you know the community or, or um, focusing on sustainability. So um, yeah, it's super cool. You know, I'm just going to chime in a little bit here and, and, and brag a bit about this program. Obviously, it's it's something that Goo sponsors um, and something that Goo firmly believes in. It's It actually happens to be one of our core values, sustainability. And it's a program that we've subscribed to. It's called TerraCycle. And people can go to their site or they can go to our site and they become a member of the Trash Brigade and um, print out a, a mailing label. And some of the mailing labels are actually even made from remnants from our gel packaging. Um, and then, you know, you stuff all your old wrappers in there and we pay for the shipping and you send it back and you can feel good about what you're doing. Um, and those wrappers then get upcycled into pellets, which can then be turned into anything from playground equipment and other outdoor stuff. And uh, for folks who are even more curious about this, you may see a hashtag called Not Today Landfill. Uh, but it's just a really fun cause for us to get behind. It's something um, one of my coworkers, Celia Santi, has championed. Um, and we're really actually starting to gain some momentum with it, particularly when you have events like SBT, which happily signed our uh, pledge to be a part of it. We're actually ask asking all of our event partners this year to sign a pledge um, so that they can help protect uh, the places that we all love to play. You know, lessen the impact that we have on the environment. And, uh, you know, like Mark said, you know, we take all sports nutrition companies wrappers. It's not just goose. So hopefully at the end of SBT, the end of Leadville, when racers finish, they will empty out their pockets into the, you know, the, the trash receptacles that are there. And uh, you can feel really good about not only having finished this event, but knowing that your sports nutrition waste will not go into the landfill. I love it. A, a super easy way to do something responsible and good for the planet. Uh, fantastic idea. We, we've been talking for quite a while. I just want to get one like standout memory from Yuri, from Mark. You've each, of course, done uh, well. Yuri, you've raced. And of course, Mark, you've been uh, directing, co-founded the SBT Gravel event. One standout memory, one thing that you know that you're never going to forget about this race. Yuri, go ahead. You go first. Okay, I won't say anything a third time about that magical great popsicle, but I will do a shameless plug uh, for the Goo Aid Station. Uh, we staffed one of the last aid stations, and one of my dear coworkers, Bridget, and her friends were there. Uh, and there happened to be a little bit of whiskey at that aid station. So that was Wait, a nice what? way to uh, <laughs> sort of nip away the pain and then um, nurse my way to the finish line. You just had me there. You've got to talk to Bridget about that one, Allie. <laughs> now I want to do it. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And and Allie, half your sponsors, I think, have whiskey on the SBT gravel course somewhere. So it, it, Mark, it's, I knew I, I, knew I liked you. I knew I liked you. you. 
<laughs> so, you know, for me, I'll tell you what, I have a, a couple of things. Um, one, um, that we just, the race actually went off and happened, um, was incredible for Amy, Ken and I, you know, we, um, really got together to put on an event that we wanted to do. And then as it turns out, the three of us may never do it, um, because we're so busy with the event, <laughs> but the, the amazing thing was at 629, um, standing at the start line and looking down Yampa street in steamboat and seeing a thousand plus riders lined up ready to go and everybody smiling and excited. And I'd never seen anything like that, um, before, um, at least anything that I had, I had, um, been a part of where everyone was there to experience something amazing and, um, be there from the ground floor. Right. So mm -hmm. we look at it at the racer, the initial rider, um, put their faith in us, um, on having a great weekend, right. And a great event. And, um, you know, one minute before it started, I was, I was just so, so excited that it was actually happening. Um, and then I can say there's two photos. Um, I saw them live, but, um, I, I look at these photos often, um, but we're coming through the first 10 miles of the SBT gravel course. There's these amazing photos that Will Matthews, um, and Jake took that, um, show the front of the race with this massive cloud of dust, um, behind them. And, um, it's this immediate iconic image from SBT gravel and being in the car driving Jake and Will as they snapped those photos and looking back, seeing that was just amazing. And then the other photo is a picture of um, my friend Yuri, where he is um, had finished the race and he's laying down in complete exhaustion in front of the volunteer search and rescue <laughs> building, um, unable to move. And I, you know, we, we got some input that OSBT gravel was, um, you know, fast and I don't know how hard it was. And, and, um, you know, that, that picture alone made, made me happy that it was hard enough. <laughs> and so, um, I think those were some cool things and, uh, we're really excited about next year and, and 2020. Oh, I, I, I'm excited to honestly hear your stories after this race. And I, I, I want to finish up with Ali. You're of course, a very accomplished gravel racer, very accomplished multi-day pro racer. What is success at this in some ways familiar, but also very new event? What's success going to look like for you with this being, as you stated, your, you know, your top race of the year? Yeah. I mean, this is, going to be my pinnacle moment um, for my year because it's what excites me the most currently. And it's something that probably was instilled a long time ago. Um, Mark alluded to this, but Amy Charity, one of his partners for this event, was my uh, USA national teammate on the road. We raced world championships together in the team time trial, and she was my teammate on my trade team, um, which is now Rally. And it's just so incredible to go and to see her roads and Mark's roads and knowing them for several years. I'm excited just to go and ride in Steamboat, of course. Um, and what is going to be a success? Um, I am going to be treading some unfamiliar waters, not 
coming from any sort of mountain biking background, of course. So for me, a lead Leadville, I I am going to I would like to be comfortable on my mountain bike, know the course well enough, prepare enough that I have fun and I don't feel like I'm pushing my limits as far as skills wise at all. And I would hopefully achieve a belt buckle. A very large belt buckle is my goal. And then the next day at Steamboat, um, I really want to make sure I recover post Leadville. I've prepared in my training. Um, like Yuri said, I will do quite a bit of altitude acclimatization prior to the events. But my history is that I'm a very poor performer at altitude. <laughs> like I'm really bad. I'm really bad. So <laughs> for me, that's going to be a challenge. But if I can finish Leadville with a smile on my face, hopefully a big belt buckle, then the next day, I think it's going to be all about a bike party and steamboat and to really enjoy it, whether I'm riding the party bus at the back or the let's let's not lie. It's not so much of a party bus in the front, but a bus on the front, <laughs> you know, wherever I am, I'm going to enjoy steamboat. I know that it's just setting myself up for success for both days. And then I'm going to throw the, the last one in the hook line and sink. However you do that. I don't know. I don't fish either or mountain bike, but Monday I've convinced Amy, um, and now several other people that have made lead boat is we're going to hike a 14 er very close to steamboat on Monday. Cause I feel like that's what you should do next. So that is going to be success and there will be whiskey on the top. <laughs> awesome. Oh, well let's wrap up this episode. A huge thanks to Allie and Mark for chatting with Yuri and me and where can folks find you on the net? So I have a website, allisontetrick.com. It's with one L A L I S O N T E T R I C K.com. And then my Twitter and Instagram are at AM Tetric T E T R I C K Facebook. It's pretty easy to find me. Yeah. For, for, for me, it's at S B T G R V L. I think it's, uh, my last name is really hard to spell, so you can find Mark Sakowitz somehow within a SBT gravel uh, thread and certainly at our at our website at SBTGRVL. Okay, fantastic. And Yuri, where can folks find you and uh, Goo? Well, to be honest, I'm not as famous as Ali, so I don't have <laughs> my true. own website, but I am on Twitter at Yuri Hauswald and the same thing on Facebook and Instagram. What's the handle for Goo? Oh, yeah. Thanks, oh, Fatty, for the company. reminder. Goose site is at gooenergylabs.com, and you'll find us at Goo Energy Labs on Twitter and on Instagram as well. And I am at Fat Cyclist on Twitter as well as I am podcasting at leadville100podcast.com and marginalgainspodcast.cc. And I am, of course, right here as well. So please subscribe to the Goo Pinnacle Podcast and subscribe, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts. And tell your friends, spread the word on Twitter, Facebook, and in real life. Oh, yeah. We're big fans of real life, especially. So for the athletes and experts at Goo Energy Labs, I'm Fatty. And I'm Yuri. Thanks for listening to the Goo Energy Labs Pinnacle Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>